near-death experience podcast, an ongoing exploration of spiritually transformative experiences, including NDEs and other phenomena, in order to elucidate the ineffable and better understand our spirituality. All episodes are available at ndepodcast.org. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and guests are not necessarily those of NDE Podcast, the NDERF, any sponsors, or for that matter, anyone else. In the end, the only opinion that really matters is yours. Welcome to Near-Death Experience Podcast, the official source of audio accounts for the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. I'm Chaz Hathaway, author of Life in the Spirit World, What Near-Death Experiences May Teach Us About Life on the Other Side. Today we're going to share a somewhat short experience because I would like to read some, uh, some messages that we've received from uh, listeners that I think you'll find very interesting. So, today's experience is Tracy from Enderf.org. Tracy says, On my way to a camping trip in the Smoky Mountains, I had a severe front tire blowout. The car was going around a curve at the top of the mountain, and the only barrier was a guardrail. This was the only thing between the vehicle and certain death. My best friend was in the passenger seat as I was driver. She was a devout Catholic. I am not. Not even Catholic at all. The blowout was loud and violent as we rounded the curve. I lost control of the vehicle immediately as we hit loose gravel. I knew this was it for me. This is the end. Certain death. I looked at my friend and she was busy with the Hail Marys and turned back to the road to see how many seconds I had left to live. I judged two, maybe three at the most. As I looked at the edge of the mountain, I was slammed out of my body. It was instant, and it was real. The next thing I knew, I was standing in what seemed to be a circular room with a, with massive movie screens, at a complete 360-degree view. All time seemed to stop. However, my life review seemed to take mere seconds. Everything I had ever done, good or bad, everyone I had ever known, no matter how important or trivial, all my experiences played out in a matter of fleeting seconds. In my mind, I heard or felt a voice a godly voice, a holy voice. I felt the kindness, and it was explained to me that judgment of my life was up to me. There would be no retribution. I was responsible for my life as I was for my judgment of my life. I'd been up to that point a pretty good soul, never hurt anyone or anyone or anything, always trying to help, to be the best person I could be. The review was surprising as it was pleasant. I remember smiling during this review for the most part. It passed 
so quickly, but I felt all emotions as I had originally felt them, only in light speed. It was almost like watching a movie on fast forward. As quickly as it had begun, I was slammed back into my body. Time returned exactly where I stepped out. Three seconds, two seconds, and then the most amazing thing happened. The car came to a complete stop. I couldn't understand. We were skidding on gravel, fast, but it just stopped. I poured out of the car, barely breathing on my hands and knees. I looked at the edge. The tires were less than two inches from the edge. Something stopped that car, but it wasn't me. And that is the end of Tracy's experience. This is an example of a feared death experience, as I would call it. Um, the idea that in a moment where a person is certain they're going to die, even though they're actually not going to. Now, there's two ways you can look at this. Of course, you can see it um, with the idea that uh, that they were scheduled to die, that they were going to die, and that they were miraculously preserved from death. Which, I think the miraculous, miraculously preserved from death probably is real. But, um, you know, the idea being that this was a choice that was made uh, by Tracy, and she is at the point of, you know, the other side and experience in her life review, and she chooses to stay. But she doesn't speak of a choice. She doesn't speak of anything but experiencing this review in a moment of stopped time and yet her life racing before her like a fast-forwarded movie. Every detail, everything she ever did, everyone she ever met, all experiencing it again. And um, for her, it's a pleasant experience. There doesn't seem to be anything of you didn't do enough or you didn't accomplish what you came here to do. It was just a pleasant experience. She's smiling for the most part. And, you know, she felt all the emotions as she had originally felt them, but on light speed. And then she slammed back in her body. And you could look at this as, as saying, you know, here you're headed to death, but then sent back to the moments before and, you know, given another chance. But I don't think that's what happened. I think what happened was a feared death experience. She thought she was going to die. And perhaps she would have had she not been preserved. I don't know. But the point is, her spirit left her body because she thought, she genuinely thought, she knew she was going to die. And yet she didn't. Now, she left her body, of course. So in that sense, she did die. But there was nothing medical to cause it, unless you can say dying of fright is a thing, which maybe it is. Maybe it is. In that case, a dying of fright would be a feared death experience. But uh, the interesting thing about this is that there was no medical thing that, you know, her heart was not stopped. Her breathing had not stopped. She was able to leave the vehicle on her own. Of course, she fell to her hands and knees because she's like, Oh my gosh, what just happened, you know? And she's completely, she's just barely breathing just because, you know, 
this all happened so fast. She knew she was going to die. And so her spirit left her body, but then she didn't die. And so she's whipped back into her body. Very interesting. Very interesting. Which, you know, is a demonstration that you don't have to die in order to have a near-death experience. Because this was very clearly a near-death experience. Okay, let's go to uh, email. There there have been some wonderful messages from people, and I just wanted to read some of them. I'm going to read first names, uh, since not all of them gave explicit permission for me to read them. But I think their messages are worth sharing. I think you'll find them meaningful. Okay, first Nick says, Hi Chaz. I've never had a near-death experience that I can remember, but I've come very close to death many times. I do have some after-effects that are very similar to some people after they have near-death experiences. For example, I have a voice that I can talk to all the time that comes straight from my heart. I emailed you in January, I think because I instantly uh, fell in love with your angel children's song, and needed to know what it was called. Thanks for getting back to me. Anyways, I'm just writing to say that I love your show so much and to keep up the amazing work. Every night I listen to an episode before I go to sleep and I always love your take on the experience. Uh, It always makes me think of things a little differently. God bless you, Nick. Thank you, Nick. What a wonderful message. And I think this is something... Um, that is very interesting and common, actually, is having nearly dying experiences, whether, you know, passing out or just, you know, close calls, maybe a car whizzes by and nearly hits you or, you know, different things like that. Nick doesn't explain what kinds of nearly dying experiences he has, but it almost doesn't seem to make a difference. Uh, statistically, when you look at people who have had these kind of experiences, often they have after effects. In fact, I would be interested in hearing from many of you because many people who study near-death experiences find that they are beginning to have what can be described as after effects of near-death experiences. I've heard this and I was like, wow, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. But as I began to think about it, I realized that I've had many of what may be called after-effects of near-death experiences myself. And I wouldn't have noticed them, probably, or at least not associated them with after-effects, had I not delved deep into this literature. Among the uh, things that I have experienced personally, first off absolute fearlessness of death. I'm excited about it. Honestly, I'm excited about it. I'm not in a rush to get there because I know it can be painful. And I also know I have much to do um, before I leave. But I am really excited for dying. I really am. And uh, also, I have noticed a... Well, for, for you know decades, I've had precognitive dreams occasionally or experiences where I will have something that indicates something is going to happen or something that indicates that um, maybe 
you know, I'll have a dream about somebody I haven't seen for years, and then the next day I'll see them at the store or something like that. You know, just little things that are like, not necessarily meaningful, just precognitive. What is that? I don't know. It, but those who have had near-death experiences describe these things as happening all the time. The weirdest one for me, um, as in makes the least sense to me, is sensitivity, uh, electromagnetic magnetic sensitivity. I don't have it to the severe level that many near-death experiencers have it, but I have a really hard time with devices. Not that I get frustrated with them. I do get frustrated with them, but anybody would if they go through what I do with um, their devices. I mean, I've, it's, it's common for my devices to just have the wrong time. And I'll flip to three different parts of the device, and they'll say one will say it's 623, another will say it's 923, another area will say 524. And you're like, well, which one is it? That doesn't even make sense. You know, when it's hours difference, I think, well, one of them's on a time zone difference, so I check my time zone settings, and sometimes fiddling around with it will fix it, other times it just won't, and it insists that is what time it is. What the heck is up with that? Also, um, batteries just dying on devices. I mean, I will charge my device, make sure the Wi-Fi, everything else is off, airplane mode, and, you know, I'll have it off for several hours, and it will be dead. It will have no battery power. And I'm like, what? I haven't even used it. I haven't even opened it up to check the time, and it's dead. I don't get it. And so, you know, these kinds of things happen to me all the time. I, I do better with laptops and computers, but when it comes to Wi-Fi, forget about it. I have trouble with Wi-Fi no matter how fast it is. And I I use it, and I'm grateful for it, and I need it, but I experience more difficulty than the average person. No doubt some of that has to do with my noticing the fact. Maybe most people, they experience something, and they're just like, okay, well, it's bad time for Wi-Fi. I guess I'll do this later or whatever for me. They're like, there it goes again. You know, but anyway, I don't know if that has anything to do with um, studying near-death experiences or maybe even the close rushes with death that I've had, none of which I've been unconscious for. I've nearly drowned twice, but both times I was awake the entire time. It was, it was you know, it, scares. It, it was uh, water scares, I guess you could say. But uh, never went unconscious, but, you know, kind of brushes, had, had several car accidents that could have been bad, but were minor. Most people, uh, 40 as I am or, or older, have had a number of car accidents, you know. I, I mean, are these kinds of things things to, that could bring on after effects? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, what about the studying near-death experiences? I don't know. But I'm starting to see what seems like patterns. And I think that may be the kind of thing Nick is experiencing too. He's had close calls with death, very close calls from what he says. And he has some after effects. And I think that's probably common among those who have had these kind of experiences. Okay, next we have Sarah. Sarah says, Hi John and Chaz. I've been listening to the podcast for over a year and just wanted to drop a line and say thank you. You both done such a wonderful job and I very much appreciate it. I really enjoy the different styles you both bring. 
John's interviews are always so fascinating and done with such grace and respect. Chaz offers such a loving open-mindedness to each account that he reads. I get a lot from your work and just wanted to simply say thank you. I have not had a near-death experience and am simply a seeker. Kind regards, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. I think um, I can share in in your uh, feeling of being a seeker. I I didn't know what a seeker was a few years ago, and now I can say absolutely I am a seeker. And it's it's really cool to talk to other seekers because we have this idea that we don't know everything. We don't have all the answers. And yet we're fascinated by the spiritual world and so forth. So thank you. Okay. Next, Amy says, Hi Chaz and or John. Thank you both so much for all you do. The podcast is brilliant. Please stick with it. You're doing great work. I'm listening back through the archives and have just heard item 83, Juliet Nightingale. She refers to her near-death experience as taking place when she had had terminal colon cancer diagnosis. Her NDE account is wonderful, and I wondered if her account included any further detail about her return. I'm currently working through cancer myself, and am very interested in the healing potential within NDEs, as demonstrated by Anita Morjani and others. I'd love to know how Juliet navigated back from her NDE and, it seems, to a healthy and prolonged life. Could you help in any further details, please? Further still, I'm interested in any and all things achieved via NDE. This is a future, this is the future of medicine, possibly. Thanks again for all you do. Thank you, Chaz, for understanding that we cannot all do Patreon support. I'm one who can't, relating strongly to your own life circumstances as it goes. But it, I absolutely would if I could. The work you're doing is so valuable for us. It helps me no end, for one, with love. Amy. Thank you, Amy. Thank you so much for your message. And also, thank you for acknowledging that it's, you know, it's okay if you can't do the Patreon support. To any of you out there that feel like you would love to support but can't, don't worry about it. This We are trying to do this for the sake of all the good that it can do. We're not wanting anybody to feel guilty if they can't do it. I am one who is a crazy podcast listener, and I don't support them financially, any of them, other than occasionally using their Amazon links on their websites and so forth when I go to Amazon, and most of the time I don't even end up buying anything, so I doesn't actually support them in that way. But, yeah, that's the point, is that it's totally okay. Don't worry about it. And those who can support, they do, and and it, it really does help the show going. And we're doing this because of the good that it can do, not for some kind of financial, you know, uh, we're not trying to get rich off this. It's it, That's not how this works. That's not what we're doing it for. Um, I did respond to uh, Amy's uh, email with some links to some other videos and interviews that uh, uh, Juliet did, including one on bbsradio.com slash toward the light. And actually on that um, link, 
she has several interviews that she did. And so if you want to go to that, that's bbs.com slash toward the light. Um, and then uh, Amy responds again, uh, and I wanted to read this. I thought it was um, pretty cool. She says, Dear both, thank you again so very much for your fast and brilliant responses. You took my breath away. I'll follow on those leads and see what I find. It's so tantalizing. She was pronounced dead of a terminal disease and then came back and evidently healed. Anyway, thank you both once again for your help, for your thoughts and your prayers. They're deeply appreciated by me and many others, I am certain. With love, Amy. And I thought this was so cool. Thank you again, Amy, because this seems to be something that happens often uh, with those who are dying of disease. Now, injuries, there's usually a long recovery process, you know, with with wounds and so forth. And usually they heal much faster than, than the average person does. So there's something about the NDEs <clears throat> that even those who are physically injured um, experience. But those who die of disease often end up coming back either healed or having a number of years um, of practically healed before the disease comes back to take them. And, you know, some people would, would suggest, well, how could it come back if they were healed and so forth? You know, that, that doesn't sound like healing to me. Well, the fact is they were coming back for a reason and they accomplished the things that they were, they were returning to do. What does it matter what kills them ultimately if they, uh, if they were able to come back and, and complete their work uh, on the earth? I just think that's a beautiful thing. But anyway, many people do come back healed of their disease. It's remarkable. And like she says, Anita Morjani is the quintessential example of this. She was dying of cancer. I mean, it was it was bad. She was it was the kind of thing she'd had nearly, you know, dying and then living another month and then pretty much dead and then living another month and then pretty much dead. I mean, it was, it was just bad. And when she had her near-death experience, she came back vibrant. And they told her, wait a minute, we're confused. The, the cancer's gone. And, and it, it just blew everybody's mind. And she's like, no, I get it. I get it. I know what's going on. And this is what I've got to do now. And she just boom, boom, boom. And <laughs> I mean, not many people have as in-depth an experience uh, as she did and with explanations of what she's, you know. Uh, but when the, the guides and spirits on the other side tell you, you'll be healed and this is what you're going to do with your life. I mean, that's what you do. That's just what you do. So very cool. Okay, next we have Mike. Mike says, I wanted to express my gratitude for your return to the show and the addition of the first-hand accounts you read. I also appreciate your unassuming attitude and open-minded phrasing, like saying things like, maybe something could be. It seems like, or it seems to be the earmark of growing up that there is no longer a sense of mystery or innocence. I've drilled through so many episodes, and it's had an effect on me that, that keeps that door open. You're making a difference in my life, 
and how I approach the world. Thank you, Mike. Thank you so much, Mike. What a, what a great point that, you know, as we get older, um, we tend to lose that sense of mystery about life. And that's really sad because there is so much more to find exciting and mysterious about life. It's like when you're a kid, you know, you get excited about the tree. You get excited about, you know, a can of pop and, and everything is new and exciting and so forth. And as we get older, the tree and the can of pop become boring. And so we let life itself become boring. But that's ridiculous, right? Because there's this entire, you know, even even outside of the, the spiritual stuff, there's this entire world of science uh, that we don't get, you know, the very edges of technology. We don't get that. And there is something beyond that. You know, science, we know the, the you know, we're learning quantum physics where there's just this, this I don't know factor that we are starting to dive into that if we would, we could have this sense of mystery and innocence last throughout our lives. There's no reason not to. But when you get into the spiritual stuff and the spirit world and near-death experiences, oh my gosh. I mean, it it blows my mind how much we just don't know. And admittedly, it's it's stuff that, you know, if you wanted to experience this yourself, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how you could how you could bring on a near-death experiences. There are those who seek out the kind, these kind of experiences through drugs, which often puts them in the hospital, and then they don't have an experience anyway, and bad idea. And then there's those who try to experience astral projection and things like that, and find that uh, it's, it's not the uh, light, you know, uh, temple of knowledge experience that they were hoping for, and they just, you know, they find, well, it's not working either. And how am I going to experience this? And, and there's not really, uh, and this is one of the reasons that many people can't consider it a science. It's, it's not something that you can set out, do X, Y, and Z, and X, Y, and Z will happen. It's, it's just not that simple, you know, other than dying, which please don't do that. Please don't kill yourself because you have a reason to be here. And yet, that's the only way that I know of to bring on the experience. But the fact is, all of us are going to die. All of us are going to. And so, just wait. It's coming. It's coming. And from the spiritual side, or the spirit world side, this life is a moment. The blink of an eye. And then you'll have eternity in this eternal existence. You'll continue through this eternal existence with a fresh memory and a spirit-packed memory. So, you know, just knowing that, knowing that there is this thing beyond, is exciting. It's, it's perpetually new to me, which is so cool. Anyway, so thank you. Okay, um, next we have Justin. Justin shares some beautiful comments, and an interesting question that I would like to address. Okay, Justin says, Many near-death experience stories on endearth.org state that in their life review, 
They survey every one of their actions in life, even if previously forgotten. Many also state that they come to an understanding of how their actions have a greater purpose in the universe. I'm fascinated by the idea that even the smallest action can have eternal significance. It got me wondering about our communication technology today, the internet, mass technology, etc., and how many people we may influence, either consciously or unconsciously, anonymously or not. I would love to know how extensive their life review gets in regards to human connections through technology. If I knew an NDEer who experienced a life review, I would ask, did they see the impression they made on others in simple actions such as anonymously posting a rude or encouraging comment on a website? How about helping someone out in an online forum by posting a helpful answer to their question? Did they see how many people they d- deeply affect by things like writing a personal blog, setting up a website for someone else, publishing a book, or simply posting something on Facebook? Are all of those things too trivial to be included in the life review? If not, how far in time do they witness the domino effect of their actions altering the universe? Many life review descriptions say that trivial memories get skipped over quickly without much thought. It seems that the memories they dwell on are the ones that give them new insight for a lesson they still need to learn, such as forgiving others or themselves for those specific actions. But I'm just wondering if anyone has has any recollection of their action taken through the technology we have today. Have you read any stories or talked to anyone with experience? any experience with that? Thanks for your time and thanks for doing your podcast. I enjoy it while driving and I appreciate your thoughts and comments. Sincerely, Justin. Okay, so um, both me and John gave a response and I'm going to go ahead and read John's response and then I'll read my own uh, because it, um, I think it covers the points that I wanted to make about this. And and I do want to say, Justin, amazing question. I love this. Okay. John says, thank you very much for listening and, and contacting me about the podcast. This is a very interesting question that you posed. If one is under the impression that there are certain people we are supposed to meet and interact with during this lifetime for whatever specific reason, then in the past, say, a hundred or a thousand years ago, you would have had to have been within relatively close proximity to that individual. But with travel being the way that it is today, that would not necessarily have to be the case. And as you point out, with the internet, you don't even have to travel. You could have significant interactions with someone whom you've never met face-to-face and whom you just contact with electronically. I have not heard anyone explicitly say they encountered this type of material in their life review, but I shall keep alert for it. I would speculate that if you were going to have a life review that shows you significant interactions with another person, then why would it not include that type of interaction as well? And remember that our thoughts are our highest form of communications, as the, uh, communication as they form our reality. Thankfully, we will find out all about this in time. 
I have forwarded your email to Chess to see if he has any insight into this topic. Thanks again for listening and asking such a great question. Namaste, John. What a great response from John. I, I, I think he nails it, hits it right on the head. And let me go ahead and read my response to this question. I said, ooh, Justin, I love this question. If you don't mind, I'd like to address this question on the podcast, which I'm now doing, of course. It'll be a few weeks out since we record about a month or so ahead, but I want to give this question a proper discussion. But for a short answer for now, based on what I've read or come across, I've, I have every reason to, to suspect that all of our interactions may be included in the life review, which would most, in, most certainly include our online interactions. In fact, I have a suspicion that part of the enlightenment taking place in our modern days has much to do with the increased reach of our voices. In a life review, a person sees not only the effect on the kid they talk to one day, but the effect that talk had on the kid's parents, friends, and his entire life, and the lives of all those who were affected by all those who were affected by the talk. That being so, a single comment on Facebook could have a reach into hundreds of people's lives, and each of those people affect a hundred others who affect others, etc. Basically, our influence is intensely magnified. Intensely magnified. Now, I would suggest that everyone who sees... No, I wouldn't suggest that everyone who sees any Facebook comment I make is mightily affected by it. Most probably won't care or react at all. Makes me think of the quote, you'd worry less about what people think about you if you realize how seldom they actually do. That's by David Foster Wallace. But if only a few are affected by it, that effect could be enough to cause a ripple effect that, over time, and for some, will change the course of history which I see as the reason to make whatever efforts we can to carry messages of love everywhere we go, be it through a kind word, an act of kindness, or a sincere smile. And, of course, that goes both ways. A negative comment could be spiritually detrimental to vast multitudes. We have to be so careful. And yet, if we hold our influence back, not saying anything for, doing, for fear of doing harm, we may end up doing even more harm. The more I study of life reviews and the ripple effect of every action, the more I feel that our best chance of having a deeply meaningful life and touching the world for good is to proactively seek out opportunities to make better the lives of every person we meet and and live our lives to the fullest, to live our dreams, to look for good in everyone, learn and learn and learn and learn and live good, big, full, joyful lives of love, and to include anyone willing to come along for the ride. God bless you, Justin. And then I signed it. That was my response. And then Justin gives another great response. Justin says, I really appreciate the responses, Chaz and John. Thank you for taking the time to respond and exploring this. I would love it if it was addressed in your podcast. If you use my email or comments, feel free to take the liberty of shortening or paraphrasing anything. And I'll just quickly say, no need. Your, Your words are amazing. So 
I'm happy to share it all. Certainly it does make me think, uh, make one think about the weight of one's every action and even or inaction, as you pointed out. The exploration of this makes me take more seriously those interactions we may overlook and consider unimportant. It's interesting to think about the vast influence we can have through our technology today, both through travel, as John pointed out, as well as online. Which, and, and he quotes uh, him saying, which I see is the reason to make whatever efforts we can to carry messages of love everywhere we go, be it through a kind word, an act of kindness, or a sincere smile. Sorry, he's, I guess he's quoting me there. He says, great point. I agree that there is probably quite a lot of online interaction that fits into this category of mundane and about as meaningful as picking the color of a toothbrush. The reason I began ruminating on this topic of technology was because I reflected on my own experience in finding enderf.org and your podcast. I stumbled upon it simply by reading a comment discussion under a news article. Someone linked to enderf.org and I decided to check it out out of curiosity. After reading and eventually listening to many NDE experience, uh, stories, on your po podcast, it influenced me to reach out to friends. I felt compelled to share how much his loving actions 10 plus years ago meant to me and how I believe it changed my whole life's path. I think this meant a lot to him. After texting him, we eventually reconnected over the phone after not talking for some time and have had some very meaningful discussions on spirituality together. And it all started simply because I read a comment under a news article. Thanks again, and I wish you both a wonderful day today. Sincerely, Justin. What a fabulous conversation. I, it blows my mind to think of how much influence potential there is in everything we do in this life. And one thought that came to me uh, in, uh, in thinking about these online interactions and with how many interactions we have. I mean, just a comment here, a, a, you know, a quick little you know, reaction to something there. Everything that we're doing, the potential for these different interactions and, and to the question of you know, which of these is going to be reviewed with us is the idea in the spirit world that where our focus goes, we experience more. So, for example, if, say, you know, a kid is, you know, bullied as a child and, you know, it kind of has this effect on their life and so forth, and then they have this near-death experience or die, and they have this life review, and they go back and they see the bully. Now, it could be that they focus on um, how that bully, you know, redirected the course of their own life, and they may focus on that, and they may see more of that. But if they choose, if they're interested during the life review, if they're curious, they will put their focus on why did the bully do that? Why was he acting like that? 
And then they're swept into this um, experience of seeing the bully being treated terribly by their parents. And then they think, why are their parents treating them like that? And then they are swept into the life of the parents and why they had this experience themselves. Maybe they were abused by, by a, a trusted friend as a child for years. And it had this effect on, you know, basically what I'm saying is where the focus goes during the life review is where they see the most. Now, that's not, you know, if I make a snarky comment on Facebook and somebody seeing that is like, whatever, dude, and then they move on, they're not likely going to want to focus on that in, in their life review. Could they decide, well, why would he say that and then see my experiences and see what I'm going through and why I said what I did? I suspect that that's probably the case. They probably will see what they choose to see. And yet, if they didn't take any notice of it, then even in their life review, they may get this quick little glimpse of, of oh, that guy's in a bad mood that day because, you know, he, uh, you know, had a bad interaction with his kid um, on the way out to school or whatever, and then, boom, just move on because they don't care. You know, it's not that they don't have a heart for it, but they just, it's just not what they're focusing on. But then if they focus on a particular thing, they'll dive in deeper. Now, I'm very curious to find out, and I suspect this is so, but I suspect that the life review is something that a person owns uh, when they get to the other side. I don't know this, but uh, because I haven't heard anything to specifically say this, but I have heard of people having multiple life reviews, and I'm not talking about different life review, different lives reviewed, which is another thing that people experience, but I'm talking about different reviews of their own life based on different things that they are wanting to learn or needing to learn on the other side. They will have the experience of, seeing their life as it as it was, you know, from the perspective of, you know, how they saw their life, and then seeing their life again as heaven saw their life, the good that they did. While they were thinking of all the things they accomplished and so forth, the uh, the the second review may be about what good, actual good that they did. Seeing the things not that they tried to affect people with, but with the things that they actually affected people with, both good and bad. And some people will have a positives life review followed by a negatives life review or vice versa. And it, it makes me wonder if your life, as you're experience, experiencing it now, everything that you do, all of these memories, all the effects that you have on all of the universe beyond, is yours. And in the spirit world afterward, you may be able to go back to that at any time and review down any path that you want to. Now, if that's not a cool idea, I don't know what is. And again, I don't know for sure that that's the case, but I have a suspicion that it is the case. 
One of the reasons being that it seems that in the spirit world, you can more or less do what you want. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be allowed to just, you know, wreak havoc and do go and mess with people and whatever all you want. No, no. But the things that you seek can be made available to you. If you seek to go through your life and see the effect of that, a particular thing that you did, say you, uh, you had a blog, as, uh, as hap- we, you know, we talked about in the conversation, say you had a blog and you wanted to go back and say, well, what about that blog that I had? Who did that affect and how did it affect them? And being able to go down that path and see the ripples of the ripples of the ripples from that. I suspect that that is available at any time. Now, near-death experiencers, those who are going to the other side, may be given a quick life review, which is incredibly expansive uh, and, and uh, detailed in a matter of what seem to be seconds or whatever. Um, they're usually distracted by what's going on. They, first, they're, you know, they may have this, whoa, you know, my life meant something totally different than I thought it did. And I've got to go back and, and finish and so forth. But then they're distracted by this incredible being of light and love and, and so forth. They're distracted by this, this temple of learning where, they're, where they can learn anything and everything they want to. And, and you know, by the technology there, by the, by the love shared by the people, by the, the memories that are captured in, in books and whatever, you know, they're distracted by all this stuff. I can guess, I'm going to guess that that distraction is not going to be there forever. You're not just going to be like, whoa, 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 look at that, whoa, look at that, for eternity. I mean, that. why would you? As the memories return and as, as you get used to the place, you're going to want to expand your work and your learning. One of the major things that spirits seem to come here for is because we are so fascinated with learning and exploring and diving deeper into knowledge and and experience and and understanding which means that it's possible i don't know it's possible that we may regularly be going back to our life experiences our our life review to dive into that you know, whole ripple effect of different things. You know, we may encounter something that we're trying to do some work there and say, ooh, if I could just see what kind of effect information technology and social media and so forth had on those I interacted with while I had access to it, that could be really helpful information. And then going into that life review and experiencing it to the you know, 50th degree. I suspect that that will be possible. I don't know. This is speculation. But, you know, the things I read hint toward that possibility. And how cool is that? How cool is that? Which make you know, what it makes me think, if that's the case, is I've got to experience a lot in this life. I've got to really dive into personal development and and reaching out and touching others and trying to live the biggest, fullest, dreamiest life that I can because that's where the most profound experiences seem to happen for us. 
I mean, look back at the most boring part of your life. Let's just say your day job that you didn't like. How much are you going to want to re-experience that uh, on the other side? How much of the ripple effect are you going to want to, you know, uh, rehash over and over again? I, I can remember so many hours of doing stuff that I just, it was my monkey job. I call it a monkey job because they could have trained a monkey to do it, but they hired me to do it at, at a low wage and I did it for years. Why did I do that? Why did I do that when I'm going to have eternity to be pondering back on the experiences of this life? No, I, I don't want to think less of anyone who has the kind of job that is considered low down. That's not the point. That is not the point. But when my mind was in the job and I was just like blah, living that time, that was a waste of time for me. I could have been using that time, even while I was working, to smile at someone, to say hi to someone, somebody working late in their office. If I just stopped and talked to them and said, how's your day? How's everything going? That, that becomes meaningful. And so the more time that we're spending in the, in the just drudgery of our lives and allowing that drudgery to be drudgery, the more we're wasting time. I don't care what kind of job you have. I don't care. You know, I just use the job thing as an example because in my life, uh, the most drudgery times where I'm just like, uh, 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 being a cog, just doing my thing and not thinking about anyone, not thinking about myself, just going about my business, that a lot of that takes place with work. Whatever that is for you, it may be when you come home at night from your meaningful job and you just go into blah mode or whatever, you know, and we all need time to relax and there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I've found that some of my, some of the most profound effects on my life have been from an incredible movie that I watched or a, a show that I watched that just like blew my mind and thought, wow, what if that's, what if that were real? What if that happened? How would, you know, how do I want to live my life differently now because of what I experienced? So I'm not downplaying that. What I am trying to emphasize is make your life as deep an experience as you can. Be that striving for your dreams, be that reaching out to other people, be that constantly learning, constantly learning, and seeking to expand so much uh, of what this life is. Magnify it. You know, I'm one who spends a lot of time listening to books and talks and stuff. I'm rarely where I am doing what I'm doing. I'm almost always somewhere else exploring something. And part of me, you know, realizes that I'm missing part of life because of it. But mostly it's because life is blah. So I'm having this overarching experience that is deeper. And that is valuable to me. And there are times where I'm just distractedly like, uh, I got to get this done stuff while my kids are dancing and playing around me. That's an opportunity missed. So it's like, what is the thing that you can be doing at every given moment, any given moment that will deepen your experience of, of life, of experiences, of love? Why not do more of that? Why not? You're going to have eternity to see the results. 
why not dive deeper into it? Okay, and now I have a, a couple more to read, so I don't want to um, use up all the time on this, but I, I, I thought that was such a great question and, and comment um, from Justin that I wanted to, to expound on that. So, okay, this one's from Renato. Renato says, Hi, my name is Renato, 45 years old. I'm from Sao Paulo, Brazil. I just wanted to thank you for your work. It's touching people. I listen every day on Spotify. Open, open music is perfect too. God bless you. Jesus is the way. Thank you, Renato. Absolutely, I agree with you 100%. And hello from Utah, the USA. I am so glad to hear that this, this uh, podcast is getting around the world. I had a brother who spent two years in Belo Horizonte, Brazil. I'm probably botching the name, I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, he can't speak highly enough of his experience in Brazil. Beautiful country. One day I myself would love to go to Brazil. So um, let's stay in contact if I ever come to Brazil to visit, to see the rainforest. I'm really into uh, uh, nature and, and gardening and so forth. And I would love to come to Brazil. And, and see that stuff. So let's stay in touch. Thank you, Renato. Here's another one. Um, this is Joseph. He says, Hi, Chaz. Thank you for your work on the podcast. I listen often, and it is much appreciated. I have studied hundreds of NDEs, and my overall conclusion is that character traits play an essential role in what NDE experience, experiencers experience. There seems to be a link between arrogance, selfishness, narcissism, etc., and distressing NDEs. Whilst those who are genuinely humble and loving and kind seem to experience much more positive experiences. Character traits seem to play a central role in every near-death experience. The Life Review seems to focus on that specifically thought you might make a podcast on the importance of character traits and how they determine what you experience. Keep up the good. Take care, Joseph. Thank you, Joseph. Great point. And I love that idea of having an episode focused around character traits because that really is some, is a thing. I mean, that really does seem to have a massive effect on the kind of experience they have, which is to say what kind of afterlife they have. There are people who have lived, lived very selfish lives, whatever age they are, you know, sometimes teenagers who have lived incredibly selfish lives, you know, get into this big drug uh, lifestyle and it kills them, you know, overdose. And then they experience what they feel like is an eternity in this dark place of just being slammed with these, these frightening, terrible um, memories of, you know, it's, it's like the, the uh, life review gone wrong. They're seeing all the horrible things they've done and all the horrible effects it has on people. It really feels very, you know, as I'm listening to these kinds of experiences, it feels very... Uh, you know, a Christmas Carol, a Jacob Marley kind of experience, seeing, constantly seeing what could have been done, what wasn't, constantly seeing the good that needs to be done and being unable to do it. Uh, you know, some of these experiences are, they're terrifying. 
they're horrifying. And they say, it felt like I was there for eons. It felt like I was there for eternity. And then they're slammed back into their body and they're just like, ah, you know, and they flip their life around because they're like, no, I'm no, 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 no. I am not going to experience that again. I'm going to flip my life around and change it. Not sure how it is that somebody can experience eons of eternity in you know, the 30 seconds that they were unconscious. Not sure how that works. But again, time is not a thing on the other side. So if you experienced eons worth of experience in 30 seconds, and it's horrific, I'm sorry. That is hell at its worst, as I see it. And you're absolutely right. Character traits seem to be the thing that determines what kind of experience they'll have. The kind and loving people, or the the kind of people who are kind and loving uh, go to the other side and they just, they love the, the, not only the life review, but the other side is beautiful to them because they meet people who they touched, who have died. And they meet people who knew someone, who knew someone that they knew, and they came to thank them for their kindness on the earth. It's, it, it's amazing. It blows my mind. So thank you, Joseph. What a great great response okay let's go one more um and then we will stop and if you also have messages to share please share them some of these are from over a month ago so i apologize uh that we're taking so long to get to this um you know sometimes it's based on how much time i have sometimes it's based on on just you know i i'm Again, my, I told you about my technology struggles, so I only check my email probably once a week or so, um, and not even on a very scheduled basis. That's, that's my fault. I'm sorry about that, but, uh, but uh, that's, that's one of the reasons that these things don't often come up as often as they should. They really should, but, uh, or, or be shared as often as they should. But I wanted to share these. Here's one more. This is... Uh, Mark. Mark says, I'm 61 years old and I was raised as a Christian and have been Catholic, Lutheran, Congregationalist, and non-denominational. After listening to the podcast, my tent has become even broader. The impression I have come away with is that God presents God's self to us when we begin to cross over in a way that we can understand. It is different for Hindus, etc., and it appears that God is open enough to accept those of us who may even have lived as atheists, especially if we simply have love and compassion for one another. This has given me a much greater sense of peace and a confirmation of my interpretation of God as being very accepting and unconditionally loving in spite of our beliefs or faults. It also tells me that this is how we as humans should strive to be. Honestly, what I'm learning has fed into my political perspective, making me even more committed to those advocates who espouse those values. And generally, but not completely, this has led me toward an even deeper commitment toward the left than to the right. Not purely, but generally. The podcasts have also helped confirm my Christian faith as opposed to giving it doubts. 
all of the references, especially in the New Testament, about Jesus speaking about being the light of the world, about Paul and his experience on the road to Damascus, as well as Jesus' final commandment telling us to love one another. All of these things simply are confirmed in what I'm hearing in the podcasts. I have never known anyone who had a near-death experience, nor have I ever had one, although I can say that I have had moments when I felt God was clearly giving me messages. I have shared my enthusiasm and interest in the podcast and what I am learning with others, but for some reason I am surprised that there isn't the enthusiasm that I would expect for it. I would think people would be driven and fascinated to learn about their eternity. I guess God has just made us all different. And in many ways, that's a good thing and also part of his development plan for us. So I just wanted to say thank you for elucidating the ineffable, as John says in his introduction. I look forward to listening and learning more. Mark. Thank you, Mark. And so many great points in here. I could have a whole podcast just about this. Uh, But... uh, Let's touch on a few because I love this. He's gone through many different churches, as, as many of our listeners have, and, uh, and the near-death experience research has made it even broader. And he talks about how, you know, it's, it's our, the lives that we live, the, the good and kindness that we show, that seems to be more important than the specific religion that we... Uh, that we belong to. And that seems to ring true through near-death experiences. And uh, then I, I love what he says about it affecting his political perspective. Because when he said this, I had to think back and I was like, my political perspectives have really bent and changed over the years. And I think back over the years that they've changed the most and they coincide very clearly with the years that I've been studying near-death experiences. And I'm like, oh, leaning more right than left. Now, if you were to talk to me, you know, 20 years ago, I would have been, I, I wouldn't say staunch Republican, you know, uh, ticket, you know, mark the, the just Republican ticket and, you know, whoever they have in, that's my guy. I wasn't like that. But I would, everything, I was voting Republican. And, uh, and part of that was my upbringing. It, it, it wasn't that my, my church was teaching me uh, to vote one way or the other. In fact, they were saying very specifically, just vote your conscience. Don't, you know, don't vote straight ticket or whatever. And, and yet, you know, the, the uh, home I grew up in was a very you know, left or right-leaning Republican uh, type lifestyle. It's, you know, I'm in Utah. It's it's a very Republican state and so forth. And and I grew up espousing those um, values and so forth. And I I still recognize the value of those values. Um, But over the past several years, they have leaned so much so much that while I still have very strong um, conservative views on some things, if you were to lay down, you know, 
how I stand on different issues, you know, side by side. On this issue, I'm this way. On this issue, I'm this way. I'm leaning way more left in, in terms of the number of views uh, that I have on the different things. And that's that's been an interesting exploration for me. I, I And I am diehard independent in my publical publical <laughs> in my political views um i i cannot vote straight party um anymore i have voted in every different direction from from democrat to republican to uh liberal to constitution party based on their different views on things my my political views have just widened so much to the point that I do not espouse a party. I do not. And I, you know, as for the the uh, coming elections, you know, I may vote in ways that I've never voted before. I don't know. It's it's very interesting how the, um, the near-death experience research has affected my political views. So I love that. Okay, he, he goes on, talks about how um, rather than making, uh, rather than the near-death experience research casting doubts on his Christian faith, they have confirmed it and, and actually helped him to strengthen his views on it. That's been my experience as well. That's been my experience. And if you look at the people who... who uh, um, or the, the religions of the people who tend to come to doubt their Christian faith um, because of near-death experience research that they do, it's often because the views that they grew up with, what they were taught in their home about what the Christian faith teaches, um, you know, saying things you know, that suggests that, you, for example, you might hear in a home, well, Jesus was, would be a Republican or, or stupid things like that, where it's just like, wait a minute, what? What? No, <laughs> I, he's not espousing a particular party. These parties didn't exist back in his day, you know? <laughs> and, and if you look at the, the values of the different things, you know, anyway, I, I didn't mean to swing back to the political, but um, many of the things that we are taught as children in our various churches are things that are based on what our family believes about what the faith teaches rather than what the faith itself actually believes. Now, as to specific Christian religions, I can't speak because I haven't been a member of all the different Christian religions. But the Christian faith as a whole, just if you take the Bible as the uh, the canon work that demonstrates what Christians believe, then absolutely, Mark is right. Near-death experiences go right along with it. In fact, there seems to be several near-death experiences in the Bible that are not marked as near-death experiences because the term didn't exist until 1970-whatever. But people were having these experiences and coming back with messages from God and, you know, if, if, you're, if studying near-death experiences is making you doubt your faith, take a closer look and see, is it your faith that is being put to the test? Or is it what you have been taught about what your faith should be believing that is being put to the test? 
Because those things, honestly, they don't matter. The things that people say about what the Bible says doesn't matter nearly as much as what the Bible says, is what I'm saying. Or what your church teaches about what your church believes, or what members of your church teach about what your church believes, doesn't matter nearly so much as what your church actually believes, your faith. Anyway, I don't know if that makes sense, but, uh, but I think Mark said it so well. Okay, another point that I thought was, was really interesting. He says that I've shared my enthusiasm and interest about what I'm sharing or what I'm learning in this, but I'm confused about why people aren't so excited about this, why they're not driven and fascinated by this. This is a view that I share entirely. I, I start talking to people about near-death experiences. Now I have the kind of personality that whatever I'm excited about, I can kind of get people excited about a little bit, I think, because they, I think it's my geekness comes out and, and they're like, huh, maybe that is kind of interesting, but it's something that's just never occurred to them um, to be interesting. And, and I start sharing near-death experience stuff and many of them just go into their, well, you know, are you sure that's really what it, what's really going on or or think you know it's like they're not getting it kind of thing and i'm like why is this not fascinating to people why is it not riveting i don't get it and yet looking at my life and seeing how my views on different things be it political be it religious be it spiritual be it you know about whatever and i think you know, there was a time this would not have even interested me. And it baffles me, and yet I have to be able to look at it compassionately because I've been there. I've been there. And it's almost as if in some things we're all asleep. In some matters, be it spirituality or whatever, we're asleep to those things. And somebody tries to wake us up and maybe we kind of feel something, but it's just like, uh, it's uncomfortable. It's more comfortable to sleep. And there is something to that. Because once we do start waking up and we start opening our eyes and looking around, we're like, oh, oh, I've been oblivious to certain things. It is so fun to wake up. So fun to wake up. And I'll just give as a side note, because this, you know, spirituality and, and the spirit world and so forth is something that we as a community are waking up to or are awake to and so forth. But just going back to that experiencing the fullness of, uh, of life and living the biggest life you can, there are things you have not wakened to yet that you're not awake to yet. There are points of view, paradigms, ideas that you have not yet explored. Now, whether you should explore them, totally up to you. Totally up to you. But there may be things that have, you know, batted at your curiosity. Let's just, let's just say uh, a, a creative interest, okay? Something that you've always wanted to try, but never really tried. It's like you're asleep to that thing. And if you were to dive into it, I can promise you it will suck you down a trail that will take you to places that you never imagined because 
of your excitement toward it if you just wake up to it. Whatever it is. It could even be political stuff. I am asleep to political stuff because I don't want to wake up to it. I have too much else going on. But if there is something that is interesting you or something that is is tapping at your mind saying, I should be doing this in my life, or I should change my life in this way, or I should start that business that I've always wanted to start, or I should do that hobby that I've always taken interest in. Give it a chance. You might find yourself waking up in ways that you didn't know possible. You know what? I, I, just as an example of this, I have just a couple of months ago started studying wealth versus poverty mindset because I know that I have a severe poverty mindset. If you've been listening to me, you know I have a poverty mindset. That is to say that I have a, a, a mind that somehow keeps pushing me back into poverty, somehow keeps pushing me deeper into, into struggle with finances. And even though I'm an ace at making the most of a single dollar. I can beat out anybody in, in saving money and so forth. If, if you know, it comes down to it and we have a contest, I will win. <laughs> I've gotten really good at being poor. That just illustrates the point. I have a mo- poverty mindset. What do wealthy people think and what do wealthy people see in the world that I don't see? And I have begun to study this stuff and it's fascinating to me. And I can feel myself waking up to the potential of a wealth mindset. And and it, lest you think, oh no, don't go down this, you know, don't let it corrupt you or whatever. That's, that's a poverty mindset thing to think. <laughs> and I'm very interested in where this is going with me personally. And so... For me, it is not a, you know, I, I mean, it is a career thing. It's a, it's a, you know, financial thing. But for me, coming at it from the perspective that I'm, that I am, ha- have developed over the years, to me, this is a spiritual thing. This is something my spirit is waking up to things that I always thought I had no power over and realizing, yes, I have the power Yes, I have the ability. In fact, there's one of the things that it's woken me to realize is that the power to do anything in my life is completely on me. Intuitively, I've known this, but I haven't felt it. I haven't seen how, you know. And what I'm starting to realize is that anything that is disempowering, any thought that I have that that makes me, or that tries to bring, take the power from me, is a lie. And everything that, that empowers me and says, yes, you can do this. You've just got to learn the skill or the way. That is truth. And that's my spirit trying to say, you can do this. You can do this. And so, it's really exciting to me. So whatever it is in your life that uh, that is nagging at you, give it a chance. Wake up to it because there is something to that. And there is something that you can do and contribute to this world, which as we see from these experiences means a ton. 
Okay, so if you'd like to contact the podcast, either to share your own experience, share your thoughts, uh, ask a question, you can do so by emailing neardeathexperiencepodcast at gmail.com or you can email me personally at chaz at ndepodcast.org or you can email john at john at ndepodcast.org. You can also support the podcast on Patreon, patreon.com slash ndecast. You can, I mean, there's just a ton of things you can do. It also supports my efforts uh, when you purchase the book, Life in the Spirit World. Believe me, I notice every purchase that comes in, and I'm deeply, deeply appreciative of it. So with that, thank you all of you for listening.